You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. The New York Yankees have completed the offseason. Another season of championship expectations edition. So I am joined by one of the biggest Yankee fans in the world. You hear him on the fan every night right after Craig and I, and that's J.J. John Dostremski. John, how you feeling, baby? Well, Evan, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Um, I don't love the fact that we're doing this over Zoom because last year doing it in person was a lot more fun. They actually, hold on a second. Did we not do a podcast last year because of COVID or is this two years ago? Am I blanking on it? I don't even know. I think I, I, for some reason, I think we did a preview prediction for the MLB season because I, for some reason, I thought I picked like a Met Yankee World Series and you oh, we picked did a yes, 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 which, by the way, was a terrible prediction. Oh, it was awful. I mean, but that we... was real. Listen, you know, I love you. You deserve some some grief. I, I don't know if I can curse on this platform, so I'm not going to. You deserve some crap for that, dude. That was pathetic. Bro. Wait a Yankees second. Would you in the World Series? Come on. Do you remember what you picked for the World Series? By yeah, chance? I know. I picked I picked the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> no, they did. Hey, they did make the playoffs. My so team we... made the playoffs. Exactly. <laughs> no, right. You're right. See, sometimes I'm optimistic as a Met fan. Sometimes I'm optimistic as a Jet and a Brooklyn Net fan. Sometimes I actually feel good. But a lot of times when I have that optimism, it bites me in the ass. So last year I was optimistic. So you probably but, predicted what, a 83? to win year for the Mets just to, you know, even it out a little bit. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I probably should. Who knew what the season would turn out to be, though? I mean, we ended up having a 60-game season. The Met rotation just blew. And even the Yankees not winning the American League, it's like, think about it. If we had predicted, and I know that last year's baseball season was so weird in that winning the division really didn't matter that much anyway, but I think you and I and most people looked at the Yankees as such a ridiculous favorite to win the American League East that the idea that they didn't and the idea that they were playing meaningful games in September thinking, wait a second, are they going to miss the playoffs? That was kind of stunning because we just figured they were the best team in the American League and it would be a cakewalk last year. Evan, let's call it like it is. The Yankees had a very underwhelming and a very disappointing year. They were not good. They got off to that amazing start where they looked like world beaters. I think they started either 15-5 and five or 16-6. and six. It was something along those lines. And you're like, this team is going to roll to 40 wins. They're going to roll to the AL pennant. They're going to take on the Dodgers in the World Series. And then they were unable to overcome the injuries that they did such a good job of the year prior. Remember 2019 was kind of like the next man up Yankee team. Yep. Somebody uh-huh. goes out for two or three weeks. It didn't matter. Next guy would step in. They wouldn't miss a beat. 2020, the Yankees lost guys. The problem is they didn't replace that production. They were tough to watch on offense. Their pitching outside of Garrett Cole was not particularly good. And the bullpen was spotty. Evan, they were a mediocre to a little bit above average team. 60-game season, I get all that. 
but I wasn't in love with anything I saw really out of the Yankees last year. Now, now this is a perfect transition because they had an underwhelming season like you described. 24 of the 60 games they played, so a little bit less than half, was started by this trifecta. Masahiro Tanaka, Jay Happ, and James Paxton, three guys that are obviously gone. Happ is in Minnesota, Paxton's back in Seattle, Tanaka's in Japan. So a little bit less than half the starts that were made last year were started by those three guys. And their offseason involved bringing in Corey Kluber, who's made eight starts the last two years, Jamison Tyone, who's made seven starts the last two years. So did you like what they did with the rotation? I mean, do you feel comfortable with what they did with the rotation? All right. I'm going to give you a very iffy type of answer because I wanted Masahiro Tanaka back. I am a Tanaka guy. He was a pros pro in the postseason. I know he did not pitch well against Cleveland and against Tampa, but he was just one of those guys that became a Yankee favorite of mine. He became a fan favorite. I always had the utmost confidence that Tanaka was going to come through for the Yankees. I wanted him back. I, if I were running the team, Evan, I would have chose Masahiro Tanaka over Corey Kluber. That's me. However, the Yankees, I think, are banking on the fact that Kluber reuniting with Matt Blake, who he knows from Cleveland, Eric Cressy, the strength and conditioning guru that he spent all this time with rehabbing, is going to get 2014 to 2018 Corey Kluber. I will say this, Evan, and I'm skeptical on what you're getting out of Kluber this year. Let me make that perfectly clear. If he can come back in any way close to that 2014-2018 form, he's an upgrade over Masahiro Tanaka, but that is a huge if. Tyon, I almost separate. Tyon, to me, was the perfect guy to go get. Team that's selling off in the Pirates. He's got no value, no use to that team. You can give away some prospects that are going to be gone because of your 40-man crunch anyway. The only problem you have is that the Yankees, as you know, have gone down this road a lot with these sort of starting pitchers. And Evan, I ask you this question. Out of any of these like young, high upside type of guys, not the big ticket free agent, not the Cole, not the Tanaka, not the Messina, the CC Sabathia, who out of any of these guys has worked out for Brian Cash? None. Yeah, maybe Brandon McCarthy for right. the second half in 2015. Right. Whoop-de-doo. Sean Chacon and Aaron Small in 2005 for a hot second. Whoop-de-doo. The point being is a majority of these guys have not worked out. So I'm rooting for Jamison Tyon. I like the Jamison Tyon move, but history tells us this usually doesn't go well for the, the New York Yankees. The track record of Brian Cashman. And look, for anybody listening, you're not saying Brian Cashman sucks. I'm not I saying Brian Cashman sucks. He's he's a great general manager. But let's call the facts by the facts. His ability of acquiring starting pitchers that aren't the obvious big ticket items, like you said, Messina, CC, Garrett Cole, the track record's been god awful. And like, you look at Kluber, I agree with you. If you could get half of what he was three years ago, it's a great move, and it's a one-year deal. They didn't give up high-impact prospects for Jamison Tyone. There's nothing wrong with the trade. I guess the concern I'd have is this rotation just has nobody that's pitched the last two years. And so 
after Garrett Cole, who's the second best pitcher in baseball, he is an elite level ace. You just you love feel- saying that, didn't you, by the way? I'm sorry, what's that? Tell. And listen, I don't disagree, <laughs> but I just could tell you took complimenting satisfaction in, in, in like throwing that in there. So no, I'm power to you. Jake is the best. I bow to the throw. Listen, if if I wanted to be a dick, I'd say, ah, oh, he's a top five starting pitcher and just not say anything. I genuinely believe he's Man, the second best pitcher. It's OK. I love you, but you went out of your way a little bit, but that's OK. That's I'm okay. complimenting Garrett yeah, Cole, yeah, damn sure, it. Sure, but sure. That, that's, I guess, the problem that. It's not that signing Kluber was bad. It's not that trading for Tyone was bad. It's just that you look at the rotation and I ask you, like, what do you rely on? I mean, Davey Garcia looked good last year. Sure. Jordan Montgomery pitched. That's the positive. I'll give him. And he did have a five ERA. There's just nothing after Cole that you can rely on. And that's, I guess, one of my biggest concerns with the Yankee rotation. Yeah, I think it's fair. But they have compiled enough guys. You know, like, you know the deal. You, you don't have five starting pitchers anymore in Major League Baseball. It just, like, doesn't work out that way. Things happen. Injuries happen. Uh, circumstances happen. So I think what Cash is trying to do is they're trying to put about seven, eight guys in here. You have Cooper, you have Tyon, you have Davey, who I really like, Jordan Montgomery, Clark Schmidt, and the hope of knucklehead Herman and Severino down the road. If you can find a way for four of those guys, so three of those guys, to be productive alongside Garrett Cole, Yankees is going to be in really good shape, Evan. And I think more than anything, Brian Cashman is trying to play the odds. And I think he's playing the odds, taking a bunch of quantity, and hope, dare I say, it turns into quality. That, that's where I'll agree with you. They have nine or ten guys deep that you feel like, hey – I'm intrigued by them. They have a high upside. The, the question is, can you hit on three or four of them? I'll ask you this. So we know Garrett calls the ace. We know, I mean, throw him away. He'll be fine. Who ultimately becomes the second best starting pitcher for the Yankees in 2021? Because I think my answer is Davey Garcia. Like I buy him as being the guy that when the smoke clears on 2021, he ends up having the best year of any other Yankee starter. Who would you bet on? Wow. This is a loaded question right here. <laughs> I'm thinking this through because I, I really want to give a thoughtful answer. I mean, I always give you a thoughtful answer. I think my answer is going to surprise you a little bit. Despite everything I said about Brian Cashman whiffing on trades. It's going to be Tyone? I think it's going to be Jamison <laughs> Tyon because the presence of Garrett Cole being alongside of him. I think Garrett Cole now is at this stage in his life. He's a new father. You know something about that. He's got this big money deal. He's playing for his childhood team. And he watched all these guys over the years take the younger guy under his wing. And I know Tyon, serious injury concerns, two Tommy Johns, cancer survivor. He's a tough SOB. I mean, to get through all that and to still be on a big league mound, it's impressive. But the stuff, Evan, is really good. I mean, you were 2018 with the Pirates. He put up big numbers. I'm going to surprise a lot of the people listening right now. I'm going to say that Jamison Tyon is going to be the Yankee number two starter in 2021. Now, I I agree with you about Tanaka. I think both you and I have had that same view of Masahiro Tanaka. I trust him in a big spot. Even with his struggles in the playoffs in 2020, I still would have brought him back if he wanted to come back. And I would have had full confidence in him giving him the baseball in a big spot. Outside of that, what would you have done differently with this rotation? Also understanding 
the Yankee budget restraints, which I think has to do with two things. Number one, they signed Garrett Cole last offseason. And number two, there was a global pandemic. And the Yankees, much like many other teams, lost a ton of money. So obviously they were never going to sign Trevor Bauer. I think we knew that going in. But is there anything different you would have done with the rotation outside of keeping Tanaka? Well, the first guy I was looking at, Evan, was Charlie Morton, but he went off the board quick so damn early. I mean, he signed basically in the middle of November to go and pitch with the Atlanta Braves, so I almost don't want to even count him. Um, But here was the problem. The Yankees were never getting Trevor Bauer. They were never putting that personality with Garrett Cole when they couldn't stand one another in college, and you mentioned the financial constraints. They were never signing Bauer. So if they weren't going to go for Bauer – then what free agent was out there that was also appealing? Like, was it, you know, Jake Odorizzi? Was it Taiwan Walker? You know, like Jay Happ? I didn't want him back. No, thank you. So from <laughs> that standpoint, outside of Masahiro Tanaka, I'm kind of cool with what the Yankees decided to do. Now, I would have swapped Tanaka for Kluber. That's just me. But they decided to go with Kluber over Tanaka. Maybe in a perfect world, they have all three of those guys on the team. Unfortunately, that's not the case in 2021. But really, my main critique of the rotation is that big game is not going to be back on this team. And essentially with the bullpen, they flip Adam Adovino for Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson. And I kind of like it because Adovino, not just because he sucked last year. I know 2020 was a weird year. But it feels like they got out of the Adamato Vino business at the right time. Like, I don't expect him to have any kind of bounce back year in 2021, though. Hey, you'll get to see a lot of him because he's a Boston Red Sox. So I don't know about you. I liked Adavino, essentially Adavino for Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson. I'll take it a step further. I love it because Adavino showed me all I needed to know about him in that Astros series two years ago. He was afraid to throw a strike. He was afraid of the big moment. He can't pitch against lefties. Remember that meltdown he had on Labor Day against the Blue Jays when I'm driving back out from East Long Island and I wanted to like take my fist and throw it right into the steering wheel. Adam Adovino just is a guy who puts up numbers against righties. And the problem is the lineup that he is best suited to pitch against that is the Yankees. Is the Yankees. <laughs> he nailed it because they got Judge and LeMayu and Stanton and Sanchez and Voigt and on and on we go. But listen, there was nothing Adam Adovino could have done. He could have pitched to a two ERA this year. He was not working his way back into the JJ circle of trust. So to get a guy who was not going to be trustworthy and to get two guys who are legitimate pro relievers Darren O'Day has pitched on a lot of winning teams Rangers Orioles Alex Rodriguez couldn't touch him then he goes and pitches for the Atlanta Braves and has success there he can get righties out the way out of Eno can and even did a better job against lefties in 2020 you saw Wilson the last two years with the Mets that dude's a pro now I'm not making him the closer I'm not trying to make him something that he's not but Having Wilson and O'Day over Adovino, the Yankee bullpen to me, Evan, is in a much better place than it was at the end of the 2020 season where I thought it was glaring and I thought it was obvious they needed another guy because when they played that deciding game five, Britain going two innings at a time, Chapman going two innings at a time, doing it the day before. Because Aaron Boone basically had three guys in the bullpen right. you could trust. It yeah. was Britain, it was Chapman, it was Green. And I'm not making excuses for Chapman. 
because his Yankee legacy, as good as he's been, it, it usually leaves you wanting more because it's him with a smirk on his face as somebody else is hitting a home run, which I'm sick and tired of seeing. But the Yankee bullpen is better. I feel a lot better about where they're at right now, and that's a good thing. You know, it's funny with Chapman because right now, and we always say this when we're breaking down teams, we say bullpens from year to year, you never know what you're going to get because there's really only a handful of relievers that you can rely on. I mean, that's it in the, in the game of baseball. And the Yankees have two of them. I mean, the Yankees have two relievers that you look at the back of the baseball card, as the cliche says. They're good every single year in a role as Chapman and Zach Britton. The problem with Chapman, and you just hit on it, is he's been a very good regular season Yankee. He's a very reliable reliever. He may have an injured list, uh, an injured list stint. That may happen. But for the most part, he goes out, he throws 50 to 55 innings out of the bullpen, and he's very, very good. But how the hell can you rely on him? I mean, you're, you're, you said what the image is of Chapman. It's a smirk on his face after he just gave up a home run that killed your entire season. And I don't know if there's any answer to this because he's your closer. He's going to go out. He's going to save a ton of games for you this year. But come October, he's going to be on the mound again, and I don't know how the hell you could trust him. Well, you're not going to feel great. And, you know, I took a couple of calls a few weeks ago, Evan. I was actually thinking back on it because I had one or two people suggest flip-flopping Aroldis Chapman and Zach Britton. It's not nuts, man. But it's never going to happen because when you have somebody who is as nuts, who is a creature of habit, the way Chapman is a creature of habit, what's the difference between the seventh inning and the ninth inning? I don't think, Evan, I don't think it's a ninth inning problem with Chapman in these postseason games. I think it's just a homer problem, and he's going to be a big part of the bullpen anyway. So if it's in the seventh or in the eighth or the ninth, he's got to pitch well if this team's going to win a World Series. Yeah. I mean, the problem is right now in the moment, I'm not talking about their careers. I'm talking about right now in the moment, Zach Britton is better than a Roldis Chapman. I mean, just, just think about it. He is. I mean, look at the numbers over the last couple of years. Zach Britton's better. And so I don't know what flip-flopping them actually does, especially if you're going to create an issue with Chapman's mind because he's always been. Chapman would be done. I'm telling you right now, Evan. He would be completely What the hell does that done. say about him, though, JJ? Well, I, listen, the I'm not saying, inning. Evan, I'm just telling you point-blank fact. He will not be able to mentally handle the idea of being taken out of that role. I, who, what, what it says about it mentally is besides the point. I'm just telling you, he will not handle it well. And who that do you, is problematic for Boom. Who do you trust in a big big spot, Zach Britton or Roldis Chapman, if you had to pick one? Uh, Britton. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. He's just been better. I mean, Zach Britton's been a better pitcher as a New York Yankee over the last two and a half years than a Roldis Chapman's been. It's great that you have both, though, because, again, look around baseball. Look at the Mets if you want. Look at any team you want. How many relievers in the entire sport do you say, I trust him? The list is, I mean, it's single digits. Well, Evan, I'll give you a guy. Kelly Jansen now with the Dodgers. They don't trust him. Right. Because he's not the reliever he once was. He could still be effective. He got some big outs in the postseason. He also didn't save a whole lot of games when the Dodgers are trying to win a World Series. No, you're right. He's, you know, Kenley Jansen's one of those guys where if you look at the last two years, he hasn't been the same dominant guy as he was years before that, but he's still one of those guys where you don't expect him to blow up. I mean, you expect him to be relatively good. And they're all kind of in that same age too, that 32, 33 range, but it's a short list. There's just not that many relievers in baseball you trust. Your baseball team over the last three years has two of them. 
And, and I think that's one thing about your bullpen every single year, despite how bad it looked towards the end of last year because you didn't have a deep circle of trust. Plus, Britton and Chapman missed time at points last year for various reasons. I know Chapman had the COVID situation. Like, both guys just missed a little bit of time. But that's the part of the Yankee bullpen that you have to love. You've got two big-time arms at the end of games in Chapman and Britton. It's got to be an advantage for them, though. And unfortunately, the last couple of years in the playoffs, it hasn't been. I mean, you think about it. The Astro bullpen in 2019 outperformed the Yankee bullpen by a smidge. Right. But it did. Yeah. 2020, the Rays bullpen embarrassed the Yankee bullpen. Wasn't close. Wasn't close. Yeah. Were you ever concerned that DJ LeMay, wasn't going to be brought back? No. Now, I was a little annoyed that the process took as long as it did. And I'll tell you what else annoyed me. Hearing from your fellow Met fans discussing the idea of taking DJ LeMayu and putting him on the Yankees. Now, I know you were one of those guys suggesting it was not going to happen, that he was not going to be a major target of Stevie Cohen and the new regime. But that was one of the rumors where it was like, man, if I got to go do shows and DJ LeMayu was a Met <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a vacation. That's it. I'm going on hiatus for like a month because I don't want to deal with this right about now. Um, and DJ's my dude. You know that, Evan. I've loved him the last two years. He's become the heart and soul of this Yankee team. I knew the Yankees weren't going to screw it up. They, that would have been quite possibly the dumbest move they made as an organization going back to letting Andy Pettit go in 2003. Like that, that's the only thing that I could sum up in comparison. When they let go of Andy Pettit, I remember screaming, yelling, I, and it, in many ways, cost them what happened in 2004, which is absolutely day. Even though Pettit got hurt, that offseason makes me sick. But anyway, it's off topic. I never got to a point where I was like seriously worried. I was a little concerned, but never seriously worried that DJ was going elsewhere. Oh, they were never letting him go. And and really, it was the key to the entire offseason. I mean, that was like the weird part about this whole offseason. It was they better keep DJ. They better keep DJ. And that was it, because once they re-signed him, and I thought they got him on a great deal. You know, the fact they gave him six years but are paying him not that high of an average salary. I, I have no concern, I don't know about you, about DJ LeMahieu as a 36-year-old or a 37-year-old. I think he, he's got the kind of skills where I think he'll age gracefully. You know, I don't think he's a guy that's just all of a sudden going to lose it. So I love the contract, but the whole offseason was they better keep him. And they were always going to keep him. I mean, I think that they were just playing the game of, let's see what you can get on the open market. But no matter what, you know, unless some team did something incredibly stupid and nobody did. I mean, look at the contract George Springer got compared to DJ LeMahieu and ask yourself, who's a better player right now? To me, DJ, DJ LeMahieu is a better player. And look at the, look at the contract differences. Totally agree. And you know, LeMahieu getting six years doesn't bother me because the AAV is not that high. That's one. And two, Evan, he's got this sort of game. He's not a guy whose game is predicated by speed or athleticism. He's a flat-out hitter. So, all right, he's not going to be able to maybe play second base at age 35, at age 36. You tell me you can't move DJ LeMay over to first base? I don't think it'd be a problem, not in the least. Now, speaking of which, I think there was a thought after the Yankees lost to Tampa Bay that, hey, they got to get more left-handed, which I think we talk about every single year. Hey, they got to yeah, get I'm more left-handed. I feel like it's like an annual Evan J.J. Yankee podcast conversation. Because, it's, because it's, nothing's you know, it's changed. 
I know. I know. I mean, nothing. So you look at the infield and you say, all right, I love Gio Urshela right-handed. I love Glaber Torres right-handed. I love DJ right-handed. Luke Voigt had this incredible season right-handed. Sure, they've got Mike Ford off the bench. Did you want to do anything crazy to change it? Like, were you one of the guys that wanted to trade Luke Voigt or trade Gio Urshela and just try to change the complexion of this lineup by making a move like that? Well, I didn't want to trade Gio Urshela because he's a tremendous defensive third baseman and Evan, he puts the bat on the ball, which is something the Yankees need to stress. And we've talked about that countless times. I was intrigued by the idea of potentially trading Luke Voigt. Now, let me make that clear. I was intrigued. Okay, trade Luke Voigt. Maybe make a run at Michael Brantley. Maybe call the Chicago Cubs about Anthony Rizzo. Maybe if the New York Mets didn't get involved in the Lindor sweepstakes, make a run at Francisco Lindor. But I think Brian Cashman hit on something that's important. I think he might have said it to you guys or maybe it was in one of the Zoom calls. He said, look, Luke Voigt's a great player. He's been a terrific power-hitting first baseman for us. I'm not going to go and just get a lefty player who is not as good. And that, to me, is what it came down to. They weren't going to go and get a first baseman or whoever who was significantly worse. It's not ideal. I still think they're too right-handed. But what was the alternative, I guess, as opposed to, you know, trading away Luke Voigt? Who is that guy that you were going to go and bring in? Yeah, the the only guy that's ever made sense was has and always has been Michael Brantley because, and you mentioned him, because he's not only a lefty, but he makes contact. I mean, he's a contact hitting left-handed hitter and you're locked in with Giancarlo at DH. Clint Frazier deserves that chance to be a left fielder. You know, there's going to be injuries. There's injuries every year with the Yankees outfield, but I, I still would have made a run at Michael Brantley. The problem is financially, it wasn't going to work considering the Yankees wanted to remain under this luxury tax threshold. Like they didn't want to go that much higher. But Brantley's just been a guy who's built for this lineup. He, he's been like that for years now. And I get it. He wasn't the ideal fit from a position standpoint and from a financial standpoint. But when you talk about adding a lefty bat to this lineup, getting a guy in the middle of the order who makes contact, he was always the perfect fit. He, he still is the perfect fit. Yes, but if they were bringing in Michael Brantley, Evan, they were going to have to trade Clint Frazier. That was the only way to me it was going to be able to work. They weren't going to bring Michael Brantley in and make him like a fourth outfielder type. He's too good. Um, and Quinn Frazier, what, you're going to have him as a fourth outfielder? To me, it would have been better suited maybe getting more pitching help or maybe going and getting that lefty compliment for a guy like Frazier. But Yankees didn't want to go down that road. And listen, with everything working out the way that it has, I'm happy for Quinn Frazier. You know, that guy has been waiting forever. He has matured quite a bit. I think he's grown up quite a bit, and he's really good. I think he's going to have a terrific year in left field, and on a Yankee team where nobody plays, let him rip. Go get 500 at-bats as far now, as I'm concerned. is there any concern? Because I like Brett Gardner. I, I've got respect for Brett Gardner. He's a lifelong New York Yankee, but it sometimes seems like Aaron Boone has a drug addiction to Brett Gardner. You know, got to get Brett Gardner in the lineup. Love me some Brett Gardner. Right now, Boone is saying Clint Frazier is a left fielder. Great. He deserves to be. But in the middle of May, 
can't you find yourself seeing Brett Gardner essentially playing every single day now that he's back with the New York Yankees? Well, the reason I can see him playing every single day is because the Yankees have outfielders who have made a glass, namely Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge. That's why I could see Brett Gardner playing every day. And listen, Evan, I understand that point. And I don't in any way want to suggest that I'm advocating Brett Gardner playing over Clint Frazier because I'm not. But the idea that so many Yankee fans were adamant, they were so passionate over the fact that they didn't want Gardner back on this team, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Gardner's been a great Yankee. He's a gamer. He's a terrific defender. And he's lefty. And guess what? He does something that many of the outfielders on this team do not do. He plays. Center fielder Aaron Hicks is a given to miss, what, 40 to 45 games. Mark it down. Take it to the bank. You're not getting 140 games out of Aaron Hicks. Who should back up center fielder if Hicks don't play? Mike Talkman. No, Gardner's the better player. Talkman, I'm down on. Evan, I got to oh, be Come fair. on, because of 2020, because of what happened in a short Forget of the season? about 2020. Couldn't hit a fastball for about two months. That's alarming. Very alarming. By the way, when you look back at last year, and I'm not saying that your prediction about Aaron Hicks is going to be wrong because Aaron Hicks does have a track record of being hurt. Aaron Hicks ended up playing just about every day during the 2020 shortened season. He missed no time. So Which we fight. He's almost insured to miss 40 to 50 games. <laughs> of course. Maybe. Naturally. Yeah. It's funny. In a year in which, you know, we only played 60 games. There were another year of tons of Yankee injuries. Aaron Hicks, along with Luke Voigt, were the two Ironmen. I mean, those well, are the guys that went out and played you know, every day. This is, this is a fun one. What would you sign for right now? Games played. Judge and Stanton, respectively. Oh, my God. What would you say? If you got 120 games out of each was it. I think yeah. you'd be thrilled. You'd be I thrilled. I mean, just because, think about this with Aaron Judge. You already know this, but for everybody listening, other than his rookie season of 2017, he's gone 112, 102, and 28 in terms of games played. So to get to 120 would be the most games he's played since his rookie year. So, yeah, you'd sign for 120. And with Giancarlo, I mean, Giancarlo is, uh, you know, we talk about Aaron Judge's inability to stay healthy. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton essentially missed the entire 2019 season. He played for five minutes. And last year was kind of the same thing. So I think the numbers are buck 20 for both. And because, look, if they play, they perform, especially Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is an elite level player who just doesn't play enough. Aaron Judge, and don't take this the wrong way because you may not like this comparison, but I'm going to say it anyway. Aaron Judge is a lot like Kyrie Irving, okay? They're great when they play. They just never play. Now, leave out the flat earth. Leave out all the other stuff. I get it. No, Aaron I get Judge. I'm, not, I'm actually not that upset with that comparison. Good. By the all way. Right, I'm good. really not. But, but isn't, isn't it kind of the same? Like when Judge plays, he's a top 10 player in baseball. No I don't even think and that's an exaggeration. When they put these top 10 lists together, you can't put Aaron Judge in the top 10 when he doesn't play baseball. Well, that's so the problem. You can't do it. But listen, if he plays 130 or games or so, he could go and win MVP. That's the kind of player we're talking about. But that's something, listen, Aaron Judge, forget about his Yankee legacy and what he's trying to build with this team. We know that elephant in the room is the contract that he is going to have to get in a couple of years. Evan, if he wants to get one of those mega deals, dude, you got to be playing more baseball games. Yeah, he, 
I tell you, man, I, and I love Aaron Judge as a baseball player. He would have to go out and really be an Iron Man the next two years for me to have any kind of confidence in giving him a contract that he's probably going to demand because there's just there's too many questions about his health. And, you know, Aaron Judge is one of those guys where he's not look, he's not old, but he's about to turn twenty nine. So by the time he gets to free agency, he's going to have a three in front of his age. And for a guy that's barely played, I, I'd be very hesitant. As much as I would never want to lose Aaron Judge if I'm the Yankees, I'd be very hesitant to make a long-term commitment until he can go out there and just prove he can stay on the field. Well, that's the good news for the Yankees. That's something they don't have to do right now. They can let him rip for the next two years, and that's the way they should handle it. I mean, right now, I'm not locking him in for six or seven years. How could you? No, you can't. Now, what about the catcher? Because he sucked last year. We all saw it. Offensively, defensively, he was a mess. He ends up getting benched in the postseason. What I thought they should do, and I, I understand it may not have been realistic, was I would assign Yadier Molina as a guy not just to push him, but as a really solid veteran that when I don't play Gary Sanchez, I've got Yadier Molina. I don't know about Kyle Higashioke. He had a nice year last year, but what is he truly it seems as if there is a commitment to, hey, Gary's our guy and there's no safety net. I would have brought in some kind of safety net for Gary Sanchez. Right now, there's none. Robinson Chirinos and Kyle Higashioka to me are no kind of safety net. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Molina idea was a good one. It was never going to happen. He was never leaving the St. Louis Cardinals. Despite all of the talk that went on throughout the offseason, that guy's a Cardinal through and through. He wasn't playing for a different organization. Now, Sanchez was an embarrassment last year. No ifs, no ends, no buts. I don't want to hear the excuses. I don't want to hear about 60-game seasons. I don't want to hear about his catching style and what they were trying to do. His at-bats were so non-competitive, they are impossible to defend. And, Evan, I think it's very simple. It is a make-or-break 2021 for Gary Sanchez in a sense that he needs to be a competent big league catcher or he is not on the team next year. It's as simple as that. I'm not saying Sanchez has to hit 45 homers and 120 RBIs. You know, the expectations from 2016 and where they were then and where they are now, it, it's crazy to think about. But I would sign for Gary Sanchez hitting 230 with 28 homers and 70 RBIs. Is that too much to ask? 230, not asking you to go and hit 300. 230, 28 to 30 homers. 65 to 70 RBIs signed right on the dotted line. I mean, all you're asking for is what he did in 2019. And that's exactly. essentially what he did. You know, he, he hit does for that in 2019. I'm happy. I'm yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, he is an enigma, man. I mean, because look, he was never going to live up, like you said, to what he did in 2016. It was incredible what he did in 2016 after he was called up. He was amazing. And yeah, that bar was very high. But 2017, the, the year that followed it up, he was very good. He had a really, really good season. He went out at over 30 home runs, had a high OPS. And you got to be thinking as a Yankee fan, all right, we're set a catcher. He didn't match what he did in 2016, but we have a hell of a player. The last two out of three years, 18 and 20, they're unexplainable. I mean, it is amazing how bad he's become offensively. And yes, we know about the issues defensively, but lifeless at-bats, non-competitive at-bats, and I just don't get it. He's in the prime of his career. How does he have years like he did in 18 at age 25 and last year at age 27? That's why 
man, I shrug my shoulders. I just don't know what to expect from this guy anymore. Evan, I have no idea. And listen to this. In 156 plate appearances, he struck out 64 times. Insane. I mean, just think about that for a minute. 156 plate appearances, and he struck out 64 times. And I know our buddy, our pal, Ernie Acosta, is the biggest Gary Sanchez guy on the planet. And, you know, throughout the year, Ernie and I were going back and forth, you know, and I was always Team Sanchez. I was never one of these guys saying he stinks, get me a new catcher, I'm down on the pass balls. I was always willing to accept it. Evan, I can't accept that type of defense if that's the sort of offense I'm going to get. And that's why I was at a point in the playoffs where it was simple. Kyle Higashioka needed to be the catcher. No, I was with you. I was with you. At that point, you couldn't play the guy anymore. So when you look at this entire offseason, and I know we have to look at it under the prism of, hey, the Yankees lost a ton of money like every other team. Uh, And also, I I like to say this about the Yankees, too. The Yankees will have off-seasons where they go out and spend big like they did last year for Garrett Cole, like they did uh, a year, couple of years before that for Giancarlo Stanton. So I get it. This wasn't the big-ticket items of the New York Yankees. How would you grade what this off-season was? Kind of what I expected. I'm not totally upset. I didn't expect, you know, overwhelming change. But it's funny, Evan. I just had Bob Clappish on the show about – an hour ago. And I think if this Yankee team does not get to the World Series this year, there needs to be significant, significant change across the board. No ifs, no ends, no buts. They have to get to the World Series this year. You want to tell me they lose to the Dodgers? Fine. You want to tell me they lose to the Braves? Fine. They can't lose to the Mets. That's not acceptable. <laughs> but if they if they lose to a team in the National League, they do something they haven't done since 2009, at least get there. It's a step in the right direction. Look at the American League right now. Who's better than the Yankees? Chicago, okay, they had Hendricks, bad win. They're not better than the Yankees. Toronto, not better than the Yankees. The Rays just lost Snell. They lost Morton. Astros don't have Springer. If the Yankees with this group cannot get to the World Series this year, Evan, when in God's name is it going to happen? So, nah, I'm gonna, dude, they, I'm, they need I'm, to be in a World Series this year. I'm with you. I mean, this is year five of this era of Yankee baseball. We can call it the Aaron Judge era if we want to define it. But really, this began in 17 because 16 was the rebuild, right? That was the very quick Brian Cashman rebuild. Let's trade the relievers. Andrew Miller rolled his Chapman. 17, they're in the ALCS. 18, they're in the DS. 19, they're in the LCS. 20, they're in the DS. So four straight years, they've made the playoffs great. They had the managerial change, getting rid of Joe Girardi. But you're right, this is year five, which is amazing to think about. Year five of this new era of Yankee baseball, and eventually you've got to cash in. Eventually you've got to win. The only thing I wonder about is, let's say they don't. Let's say they run into the Chicago White Sox or the Astros beat them in a series. Whoever it is, even though on paper, yes, the Yankees are the best team in the American League. What do you do? Like, what What are you looking at that changes things? What, are you going to trade Aaron Judge? What do you, like, you know, blow the whole thing up? So it's it's weird. Like, I don't know what the changes would necessarily be, and I get no, it. We I have can't a full say season. with certainty what they would be. I don't know at this point. I mean, it's impossible to answer that question. What, on February 19th, February 20th, uh, when they're going to play a whole season and play in the postseason, I hope. But something's got to give. You know what I mean, Evan? It's one of those I'm things with you. where – Something would have to give because the end result's not good enough. Bottom line, 
They're the Yankees. Now and, with, they're not getting to a World Series and winning a World Series. Something's wrong. Now, with that said, you have predicted the Yankees to get to the World Series the last two years in a row. It has not happened. Are you predicting it again? So you're you're warning they better get there. I agree with you. Are you confident they will? Yes. I say that cautiously because last year I was very confident with Cole and everything went wrong. Now, you want to say it's a pandemic 60-game season? You could do, though. You could say so if you'd like. I just don't see who is the team right now that's taking down the Yankees. And I know someone will emerge. I know they'll have their peaks and their valleys. This team has to get to a World Series this year. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to win it, Evan, but I think they're going to get there. Yeah, we'll see. They better. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on now is the time. Uh, always appreciate it, JJ. Thank you very much, pal. I appreciate Evan, it, Evan. far too kind. And hopefully this year's Yankee podcast from an Outlook prediction standpoint goes a little better than the last couple of years. Let's just <laughs> For your sake. John Jastrzemski, everybody. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.